Austin Found is sponsored by The Store at the LBJ Presidential Library. Shop online for unique items related to all areas of the Johnson administration and Lady Bird's interests shipped right to your doorstep. Details at lbjstore.com. Literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. From the Austin American Statesman. And if you've been stuck on I-35, there's a lot of time time to look around because it doesn't move, really. You've probably at some point been just south of the middle of downtown, just north of Cesar Chavez, and looked from I-35 to the west Mm -hmm. and seen this little school building called the palm school and there's a little park a little park a little park next there's to a it. little empty pool <laughs> yeah and and looked at that and i've done it many many times i actually live very close to that and go what is that what is that <laughs> that at one time was the the palm school the palm school let's jump back to the beginning of this back in 1839 when they uh, laid out the city that block was at the far... It wasn't a school at first. No, it was not a school for a long time. It was uh, the far northeastern, I mean, southeastern edge of the city, of the grid. So, wait, let's give people parameters, because we've referenced that before. The original city grid. Right? Original city grid, along uh, the, the east side, was East Avenue, and that's where I-35 mm-hmm. is now. The north side was where 15th Street is. That was it, kids. Yeah. And then (laughs) the west side was West West Avenue Avenue. Street. And there were some houses, structures south of Water Street, which became First Street, which became Cesar Chavez. So the Palm School is at the corner of I-35, used to be East Avenue, and Cesar Chavez. And if you were going along Cesar Chavez past the Four Seasons, past the Convention Center, past the new hotel that's there, which I'm... Fairmont. Fairmont. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you. Right beyond that is the Palm School. But first, it was on the original city map, it was the Armory. It was essentially a fort and a place where they made arms, you know, guns and, and, and cannon and stuff like that. And, you know, this was the national capital. You needed an armory. <laughs> right. You we keep forgetting that. This was the capital of a nation, this place. <laughs> and do you, if you think about it today, do you really want Austinites defending you? <laughs> We're going to lay down our arms pretty quick. Pretty quickly. So, <laughs> so it, it remained that. And, of course, when it became a state, it became a federal armory. And then when we... The Civil War began. It became a Confederate armory, and we have records of the cannons that they made there using materials from Mexico. Then it reverted to the feds after the Civil War. By the way, should remind people, Travis and Williamson County, along with other Hill Country counties, voted against secession, voted to stay in the Union. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't absolve 
this area from either the history of slavery and the history of the Civil War. But just so you know, we were we were a place where people wanted to stay in the Union, hmm. a majority of the people. So anyway, then it just sits there, and then somebody decides, we need another elementary school, because we already have one, Pease Elementary, which just got decommissioned, and it was maybe the oldest public school building in the state, still uh, standing. You know, it's right north of the ACC campus um, on Rio Grande. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this is the second one. It was the pride of the 10th Ward. And it was not a big school, but the that original school building, not the original original one, but the one that was the brick one, is in the middle of what's standing now. And there's hopes to take it back to that, take it back to the, the original school building. Uh, you know, we begged the federal government so that, you know, we could use it for a school and so there was actually an act of Congress saying, okay, you can have it, city of Austin, but you've got to use it for a school. And what time period was this happening? Late Going 19th for- century. Okay. There was a private school there, and then the 10th Ward School, and then 10 years later, they renamed it after Svante Palm. Now, he is a very, very important person in the development of Austin. He was a Swedish immigrant. He had a, wore a lot of hats around this city over hats. the years, right? I mean, a lot more things should be named for him. Hmm. He was, I uh, came here, I think, 1850, and to Austin, and he was a commissioner of this and a head of that. He was a leader of the Swedish community, and we had a large Swedish community. Really? And, and he was very much involved in bringing Norwegians and Swedes here. So he actually got you know, a special medal in Sweden from the King of Sweden for all his work with Swedish immigrants. Almost like being knighted. Almost like being, people here called him Sir Paul. Wow. Another part of his story is he gave his collection, a large collection of books to the University of Texas and it became the core of the university's library. Now, wait a minute. And his his personal collection... His personal collection became the UT Library. How many books are we talking about? Thousands. (laughs) Wow. And he... The university didn't have a library. So, a Palms collection became library. Pretty important for a university. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you have to start somewhere. Virtually all the collections at the University of Texas are from somebody's personal collection. Oh, really? Uh, They were either acquired or purchased or donated, in this case, donated. Here's the follow-up on that, though. I didn't learn until very recently that most of them were in Swedish. So what good were they to (laughs) students at the University of Texas? I'm going to look this up. What? Was everybody on UT campus speaking Swedish? No, I doubt hardly (laughs) any of them were. But yeah, I've asked the Ransom Center for access to those books because I just want to see what it would be like to see what our students had for their instruction back in the 1880s. So it operates as a uh, elementary school essentially for a great deal of time. And then it moved to a a, a Latino cultural center at at a certain point. Here's the thing. The neighborhoods around it were very mixed. And uh, several people... Because if you want to reference a pre, uh, another episode, the one on East Avenue, exactly. talked about the that. contact point. Mm-hmm. It was very mixed. Several important people went there to elementary school and, and talked about it later. Like, for instance, 
uh, Mayor Tom Miller, the Shakespeare quoting mayor who was mayor on and off for like 30 years. A.N. McCallum went there. Yes, McCallum yes. High School. The and another are, school name you know, Josephine R. Cassis was there. was a teacher there. Yeah. yeah. Austin Found is brought to you by the LBJ Presidential Library. More info at lbjlibrary.org. There's a lot of fond memories, you know, the mixed memories one has of childhood. As the neighborhoods changed, it became very much a Latino school. And both uh, the Rainy Street area and the area on the other side of what became I-35, increasing Latino after World War II. So it became an informal community center. It had a lot, a lot of meaning to the Latino community. Uh, the park had a lot of meaning. The pool had a lot of meaning. But it was cut off by the freeway. Which was built in the 50s. Yeah, it started in the 50s. That section of it probably that, opened it in the sort, early it, 60s. It literally, it, it cut it off from the community it served. Right. As, and, the, as the Rainy Street it, neighborhood, right? It cut off Rainy Street from the other side of the freeway. And they should have shut it down then and done something else with it. But they mm-hmm. let it remain a school for a long time and just let it deteriorate. And then this fantastic scholar, Sanchez, who's the namesake, for Sanchez Elementary on the other side of the freeway. He did this study and just said, this place is a fire trap and it doesn't, it's not air conditioning. You're leaving it to fall apart while there are school children in it. Hmm. So they decommissioned it as a school. Then it became various things. It became a place where nonprofits had their offices and finally the county bought it. There are county offices there now. That's what's in it now. It's right. not, no longer the nonprofit. It's, it's a maze of county offices. I toured it. And one of the reasons hmm. I toured it is I was fascinated by the report. But down in the basement, there was some either stone or brick masonry, something that might be a remnant of the armory. And so I gathered together with this group of people, uh, and we get to tour the place. And there was this know-it-all there, smart guy, who said, um, oh, no, no, no. The armory part was where the Fairmount is now. In fact, it had, before it was the Fairmount, it had been a dairy. And the dairy, when they were building it, they found a cache of arms. And the project manager said, concrete that stuff up. So it's lost to history. Now, I can't wow. verify that, but or I haven't yet, but that story sounded so much like so many other construction projects. Oh, I can see why they would do that if you've, if you've been in Austin a long time and, and you open the floodgates of yeah. something historic or a salamander. Right. Everything stops. Or a brownfield, <laughs> you know, and that happens all the time. Yeah. People don't realize... Wherever you have a railroad, you have brownfields along each side, meaning poisoned land. Toxic things. Toxic things, soil. and people don't don't plan. I think it. about that now because I, I ride my bike east a lot, and I come back. They've, they've sort of expanded these little bike paths through Fifth Street, mm-hmm. which runs you right along the rail line. Yes. Now, every time I go by there, it's like these people are living in a brownfield. These people are living <laughs> because of Michael Barnes. <laughs> we did that story on the big fish kill that came the from. Fish- the, the insect powder that was being yeah. uh, manufactured there on Fifth Street. Uh, and at one point, there was a petition, and they even reached out to President Johnson, LBJ, to try to preserve it as a school. And actually, the link to the Fishkill story 
is what they wanted to be the replacement school was where the federal hatchery was, which was put there on Town Lake to repopulate the Colorado River after the fish kill. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a, another that's a, link. That's another episode you need to go dig into go back, if you haven't back. already. And then I, I want to bring up one last thing because uh, uh, at the time of this recording, it's the summer of 2020, big Black Lives Matter movement right, right. that is... Uh, worldwide, right? And a lot of Confederate statues are coming down. Absolutely. If if the the city government or universities aren't taking them down, the public is taking them down. Right, right. And there is a Confederacy connection to this this building. Well, it it had been a fort and an armory for the Confederacy. We had actually a total of four Confederate forts. And we've talked about that before on the show. One of them is where the P. Terry's is on Ben White. (laughs) (laughs) But we were the capital of a Confederate state. And so when when they felt like that the Union troops were either going to come up from the Rio Grande Valley or they were going to come down from the Red River, they really began to fortify the city for the first time. I mean, early in the war, it was considered too remote you know, too far west to bother. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but eventually they did um, at least do some work on Confederate, for Confederate poor. I guess one of the big differences with this this building is it's it's not glorified a person. Oh, not at all. Right, that no. would be an issue potentially. Well, not even it's not just not glorifying a person. the The real issue is glorifying an idea, and so many of the Confederate statues were built or put up much later than the Civil War and times of social tension as a statement of white supremacy. Mm. And that's what digs is. It's not just that you're glorifying the part of the country that broke away for four years. Uh, That's part of our history. We know that. But also these monuments were put up as a statement of white supremacy is like we're still in charge Mm. and that's a lot different from putting up a statue of of, say a brave or smart general or something Mm -hmm. who took the wrong side in the war and i'm glad i can say that now yeah right (laughs) right you know and and it's different when you put up something in a public place that's supposed to be something we all share and agree on and we don't yeah, we don't accept white supremacy, hmm. and, and I, I just think it's key to to address that because the, the name Palms, Fonte Palm, was much later than the, the Armory, the Confederacy, for that building in right. particular. And I didn't want people to cloud yeah. it because, as you said, this guy, you you literally said there should be more things named after this. Oh man. yeah, I think so. I mean, he may have some skeleton in his closet that I don't know about, right, but right. you know, you can't let that possibility go by you know they're there but as far as i know he's a very honorable man thanks again for tuning in to austin found pick up your copies of indelible austin the palm school story was out of volume two that's right you can get all three volumes you can uh order them from book people who will either ship them to you or you can pick them up curb, curbside service and if you would uh, if you have an interest in in your history moving beyond Austin you and- should check out think Texas that's our free weekly digital newsletter which is now in its 40th issue 
and has uh, a distribution all across the state. Readers from all over the state ask me history questions and give me history tips, and so it's sort of like Austin Found, but it's it's you don't hear my voice <laughs> or your wonderful voice. And it's about Texas rather than just Austin. And to subscribe, all you need to do is? Well, you can go to the newsletters page at uh, statesman.com, or you can text the word Think Texas, all one word, to 33777. Thanks for tuning in to Austin Founds. Share it with your friends. Share this on socials. Uh, give it a you know stars and feedback on Reviews. wherever you get them. That helps it grow and helps people discover it. That's right. Uh, but share it with your friends. We'd greatly appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in to Austin. Happy Family. trails.